working from home, you might be tempted to enroll in a multi-level marketing program, but is it a good idea? We're going to talk about it coming up on the show today. From the streets of San Antonio, straight to your wallet, it's Jake's Two Cents on Jake of All Trades. All right, welcome back, everybody. My name is Kirk, and I'm not a financial expert. And I'm Jake Rivas. I am a financial expert, but together, Kirk and I talk about financial planning topics, we review the economy, and we talk about financial articles, all with the express purpose of helping our listeners build wealth today and into the future. Now, one way you might want to build wealth is through a pyramid scheme. <laughs> now, hopefully you won't do that. But pyramid schemes have been profitable. And we're going to talk today about multi-level marketing, about schemes, and about what to look for that are bad. Because a pyramid scheme is, of course, not something legitimate. It's actually illegal to start or use a pyramid scheme. I mean, if you fall for one, it's not illegal. You just lose your money. But right. if you start one, it is. Um, <laughs> and then there's Ponzi schemes, which we'll talk about. And then there's multi-level marketing or direct marketing companies like the one that I worked for after high school, from high school until college, from eight, the years I was 18 to 23, uh, I worked at a company called Vector Marketing. And Vector Marketing is the sole seller of Cutco knives and I actually sold over a million dollars worth of knives. Wow. <laughs> over a million dollars worth of knives um, during my time there as a district manager and as a personal This is my total sales. But um, so I, I did pretty well there. And, um, you know, so we're going to talk about some things to look for, what's yeah. good, what's bad, uh, you know, and, and in terms of, especially if you're looking to make money from home outside of a traditional nine to five job. Yeah. Particularly timely now because of the pandemic. And we know that there's 12 million people out of work. So there could be people out there that are looking for a side hustle and it's important to be cautious and selective in what you choose. Well, in fact, in um, the whenever there's a recession, that's when our numbers at Vector would go way up in terms of recruiting. Ah, interesting. Yeah. So here we are. So yeah, yeah. We're I mean, our, we, were, we were recruiters primarily. We would recruit you to sell the knives. That's what big part of what I did. And, um, that it's, a, and that's the, that's the structure of multi-level marketing. That's why it's multi-level. So right. yeah, why don't we talk, why don't we distinguish between the three and then we can kind of tell some stories and, and get, dig into the meat of what separate, because one, one reason I, I'm passionate about this personally is when I was doing this at Cutco, everyone said, Oh, that's a pyramid scheme, isn't it? I was like, no, it would be a pyramid scheme. Like I'm making money and well, yeah, pyramid schemes, you make money by the people that come under you. It's like, okay, yeah. So I do have people under me and I do get paid for that, but it's legit. Like there's a difference between a pyramid scheme and a multi-level marketing company that's legit and a Ponzi scheme. There's actually differences. Right. Yeah. So let's give some uh, examples. Well, I guess let's start with a Ponzi scheme and then okay. we'll go to the others. Ponzi scheme is the uh, it deals only with investors who have money. So the way a Ponzi scheme works is that there is a uh, someone called a portfolio manager. And similar to what I do in my business, when I construct investment portfolios for clients, I pick the investments that I believe they should invest in. And then I invest their money in those investments. A Ponzi scheme 
has that same role as a portfolio manager. However, the difference from what they do and what I do is that I never take possession of investors' assets. And with mm. a Ponzi scheme, what happens is they create what appears to be some type of a alternative investment or a limited partnership, right? That's yeah. something that's uh, is, is uh, secret, well kept, and it's going to promise you amazing returns. Like a, and a then major secret hedge is, fund company or something, right? Yeah. Now some hedge funds are legit, but they can no, brand themselves as that exactly. Yeah. And then what happens is they collect dollars, they collect money from investors, but they don't ever actually do anything with that money, but spend it on their own, uh, whatever they want to do. And so eventually what happens is investors come asking for some money because they had trusted, uh, this person with all this money. And if the portfolio manager doesn't have any assets left because he probably spent them, he can't pay back the investor. And then the Ponzi scheme falls apart. The most famous Ponzi scheme that we can think of in history is Bernie Madoff. He lost, uh, somewhere around 80, 90, $65 billion of clients money. And, uh, again, the Ponzi scheme strategy was exactly the same. He just used that money to, fund his lavish lifestyle. Well, so I, the Madoff scandal was so challenging, I believe, because there were some, it was a complicated scheme and there were sure. some legitimate like investments he was going on, but there are yes. also a lot of illegitimate ones. And, um, you know, th this is part of the challenge with his and why I think it was a little difficult to spot. Mm -hmm. Um, but, and they will sometimes be more sophisticated. There will be ones more sophisticated than others. Yeah. That's just a high level structure of how they work. Yeah, exactly. And part of the danger and is that most investors don't have the time to investigate these. You have to kind of outsource investigation. Uh, we have in America the SEC, Securities and Exchange mm -hmm. Commission, but they failed for years to identify Bernie Madoff. Yeah. Um, and, and they, you know, it was eventually I believe it was somebody at the uh, SEC that found him, but it was, uh, it took a long time. Uh, no, yeah. I take that back. I think it was initially spotted by somebody who outside of the industry, out, or excuse me, outside of the SEC who spotted them, spotted him and, and the flaws. But um, yeah. And, it, and it's really a sad story, uh, you know, and for a lot of reasons, but also it's not just something that hurts old people. Not it's, at all. Cause I, and, and not just old people, but rich people. It, it's right. Yes. Very good point. There yeah. are many, many Ponzi schemes that actually prey on people that collect social security income yeah. or they, uh, another common technique is if you own a house, it could be, uh, you know, nothing fancy. They, they will entice you to take out equity from that house and invest it with them. So that basically means you're taking mm -hmm. out a new loan on your house so that you can take out some of the equity and then they, and then you give it to them because they're promising you greater returns than what your house is growing by. Yeah. That's a very common one that hits middle Americans. I mean, middle income families and households because, you know, they may have 50 or $60,000 in equity in their house and rather than continuing to accumulate it within the, the real estate asset itself, 
they get enticed by some smooth talking sales guy mm -hmm. to refinance and take that equity out and give them a check for $50,000 and they will never see it again. Yeah. I'm always worried about, again, relatives I know who do stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, it's, it's really worrisome. And it's, um, there's, you know, with, the, with even the, the Madoff one, the thing that was scary about it is that it, it seems so it was legit. It was considered sec approved and it didn't hurt. Like I said, it didn't hurt just rich people. Um, a lot of the people that were invested were like in, uh, retirement accounts. Yeah. were invested with them. Like lots of like police that's retirement what, accounts, I think, or something like that. Mm -hmm. And that's our teachers, you know, unions had invested mm -hmm. with them. So it's like, you know, he impacted a lot of people. So Ponzi schemes are a big deal. They're really hard to spot yourself. I think, um, like I don't, I think it took a professional mathematician and, you know, to, to figure out what Bernie was doing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it, that can happen on a, yeah. on a big scale, you know, imagine right. investing your, you know, like, and sometimes you have no control over, like if you're, you're just investing with your, in, in the case of Bernie Madoff, like that's just an unfortunate thing. Like, I don't even know what to say about how to avoid that. So I think there is one kind of roadblock initial hurdle that I've seen consistently people don't pay attention to is when they fund their investments with these people. You never should make your check or, you know, your transfer form payable or transferable to someone's name individually. And that happens a lot in Ponzi schemes. And so even if it's not Bernie Madoff himself, it may be the Madoff fund or mm. uh, the Madoff partnership or some some kind of entity that isn't backed by any financial services organization. And so that's a huge red flag and something I see very often is people will just collect, tell you to make a check payable to them directly. In my business, I never collect checks that are made payable directly to me because that's not allowed. Yeah. So that can be, obviously they're a lot more sophisticated and that's not the only hurdle that you have to look out for, but that can be a huge red flag is if somebody is wanting you to make out a check payable directly to them or some entity that you've never heard of and isn't backed by any financial organization. Think about it before you write that check. Yeah. Now, uh, a pyramid scheme is a little bit different though. Yes. Right? So let's talk about that. Yeah. So, so a Ponzi scheme there, the big thing I think is that there's an account or portfolio manager and you're paying into them directly or to some organization that they control right? for an investment. Correct. Now it can be an investment as well, but a pyramid scheme essentially looks like a pyramid because you have one person at the top. I mean, the simple thing is you have one person at the top, he gets, you know, $200 from two people below him. Now he has four. And then those people recruit, 200, you know, people to pay $200 to buy, you know, from, uh, if you guys, again, know, I love the office, the office, um, there's, uh, with, uh, Michael Scott falls for one of these with calling cards <laughs> and he like, you know, does, um, he, he buys into it where it's like you buy a certain amount of calling cards and then you get two people below you to buy a certain amount of calling cards. And then those people get to, you know, two people each at least. And then they'd like, He's like, it's not a pyramid scheme. And then they're like, they draw it on the board and it's like, and it's a pyramid. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I got to make a phone call. Um, but that, that kind of idea though is. Um, the recruitment of other people. 
Well, but th- see, that's not sufficient, but that I, that's okay. So that's basic what it is. It's, there's a recruitment of people below you and they pay you and then you pay the people above you and so on and so forth. Um, so a pyramid scheme, the initial schemer recruits other investors who in turn recruit other investors and so on. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's essentially the, and there's prop- usually a product. I mean, there's a product that's being well, delivered, but, but that's not where they make the money. Yes. And that's what I wanted to say between pyramid scheme and multi-level marketing and a legit multi-level marketing is the product. So that's one thing to look for is, is the product actually where the revenue is coming from? So with Cutco and Vector, where I worked, our product was one of the top knife brands in the country. And the, the knives are what actually made all the money for Cutco. Not, you know, me recruiting. More, more importantly, so this is why it, people would often accuse me of being a pyramid scheme in Cutco. So I was a district manager. Let me explain the structure. I was a district manager. So I had my own office. I had one in, in Abilene, Texas, and in Pueblo, Ooh. Colorado. Um, and so, you know, I, I, would, I would recruit somebody um, I'd, I'd put, you know, go to colleges. I'd put up like, you'd see this all over the place. Like, you know, work for, work for hire, uh, 12 to 15 per hour base pay, um, do this, work your own schedule, yada, yada. And yeah. you, you've seen those in college. I promise. Even if you don't realize it, we, we flood the market with those, you know, put them everywhere. People hated us sometimes. Um, you'd come in for, in, you know, an interview. I, I, I would be up there. I'd interview you. Um, it would be a multi-process interview. First thing would be me explaining everything, uh, how the process works. I, I was always up very upfront about what we did. Some DMs are a little bit less, and I think that's part of where we get the shadiness. Where you get the negative. Yeah, yeah. I don't like that. Um, you know, if you, for instance, when you get hired, uh, I don't know if the program has changed now, but when I did it, the new hiree actually paid $129. And what they were doing, though, is getting a set of knives. So the money was a mm. deposit on the knives that they would use to show. So we're not going to just give you, you know, basically this was like $575 worth of knives that we're giving you for $129 so that you could go show it to people and sell. Because the way our product works, the way we sell is we didn't have storefronts. We mm-hmm. went into people's houses and did demonstrations. So you had to have knives but we're not just going to give them to random people, right? So we had to explain that whole thing. But still, in most a lot of people's heads, it was like, wait, I have to give you money before I start working? It's like, yes, that's just the way this one works. And that's very common with multi-level marketing, mm-hmm. is that you'll have to pay for a product. But what you want to look for, again, is is the product legitimate? You know, with yeah. Michael Scott, it was calling cards, and this was in the, like, 2005 or 2002 or something like that. It's like, who uses calling? Even somebody in the audience in, in his conference room was like, who uses calling cards anymore? Right. And it's like that, that's, yeah. that's a red flag. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, Mary Kay is legit because people use makeup and makeup. They love is, that makeup. Yeah. Makeup is their, their main, um, uh, you know, revenue stream for Mary Kay. It's not like they're making tons of money on the girls that are buying into it. Uh, to get a right. kit, they're making money on the actual sales. And that's mm-hmm. what you want to look for, for the difference between a multi-level marketing and a pyramid scheme. Um, because, man, it that's it good. does look like a pyramid scheme to some degree. Because when I was a district manager, 
you know, I had the people under me, they were selling. I got a portion of that. Right. Yeah. Um, and then the if, structure is the same, but the intention yeah. is different. Well, the structure is kind similar. Yeah, I mean, it's, not I guess the same, it's, but it is similar. Yeah. I mean, there's not like a two thing to it. It's, right. it's not like one person, you get these two people or four or whatever. Um, and it's not like my downstream. It wasn't the same thing as that where, you know, they talk about downstreams in some MLMs. Mm -hmm. I don't, those were always confusing to me. That seemed more pyramid scheme to me. Pyramid scheme. Yeah. Yeah. So like I was a district manager, everybody I recruited within, you know, Abilene, I got a portion of that just because I was that person. There was a division manager who had his own office and he had a portion. And then there was um, a regional manager, but they didn't, they got like salaries and I think some bonuses based on what they hit. And that's about it. So, um, you know, it's it's a heavily sales organization was Vector Market. It was all centered around sales and making sales. And that's it yeah. of the product. But it's not like I recruited somebody and that person recruited somebody and that person recruited somebody and that person recruited somebody, you know, for, you know, some downstreams could be 50, 100 people down. And right. They still were wanting, like the the person you recruited was tasked with selling a product, not tasked with recruiting many other people. Yes, that's the way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Now I have, I'm going to, I don't want to throw all companies under the bus. I have heard of companies that I think are legitimate where there is a downstream. I don't know much about them. Um, I would just say be cautious and just be wary of anything like that where there's a downstream. And the big thing for me is the product. Well, I do know that Mary Kay is an example of a dual. They, they, while they do obviously make quite a bit off of their product, they have a heavy emphasis on recruitment because they give away massive prizes like cars and stuff for their top producing consultants, but the consultants that produce the most usually are the ones that have the most sales people underneath them. Well, but again, that's the question for me is not how many people do you have underneath. So like when I was in Abilene or Pueblo and I was recruiting, I could have had a hundred sales people that had mm-hmm. signed up and had knife bags that were going around. Right. But they didn't have 200 people under them or a thousand people under them. Right. And then they didn't have 10,000 under them. And they weren't incentivized to do that. There was, there was a program where if you brought somebody in like to be like, I still did the the recruiting though. They didn't. So like if I okay. got you, you came in and yeah. you paid the 129 um, for your bag and you were selling, if you came in and with, a, and you said, Hey, check out my friend. Do you want to hire him? I still made the hiring decision. Yes or no. And I could say I could revoke their license or their ability to sell with us or say yes. And then, you know, usually we'd say yes, though, of course, but because we're a recruiting company. But yeah, you'd bring them on and the person who brought them would get 5% of their sales. Right? Okay. Mm-hmm. But it stops there, though. So that's basically just a referral program, right? Got it. It's not yeah. really a downstream. It's because, again, it, it's not like if that person goes and brings somebody, the original person gets 2%. No, it's just. If you bring them on, you get 5% of their sales, um, you know, in the future for, I think up to their first $25,000 in sales and that's it. 
So okay. That, so they even capped it. Yeah, I believe they capped it, at least when yeah. I did it back, you know, decades ago. So yeah. so that but that like multi-level marketing um is a legitimate way to get your product out if you don't want to compete in storefronts. That was our reasoning. Same thing with makeup. You don't want to do a distribution, you want to actually interact ah, with your clients. Competition is totally different. Yeah, it's a totally different competition. It's a totally different model. Um, cause our, our knives, for instance, were high end kitchen cutlery, but mm-hmm. it was really hard to sell to middle America. A, when I was doing it, the, my first, like a set of 10 knives, um, was $897 with the block. Ooh. Um, now it's over a thousand for sure. But you know, it's, it's, I think it was 10 knives, eight steak knives, um, and, and the block was 897. And they offer financing. They no did interest. For, oh, of course oh, no. they did. Yeah, we had, we had, we're not financing, but payment plan, right? Paying, yeah. Breaking it up into two, uh, two, three or five payment. Okay. Plan. Okay. Um, but part, yeah. but part of it is because exactly your reaction, the, so by the time I was done, if I were to come to your house, by the time I'm done with my 45 minute presentation and you've played with the knives versus your knives, I've talked to you about it. Eight ninety seven does not sound that bad. But in a store, when you're scooping around and you're just looking at worst off and Hankel's, like the, the mm-hmm. not, not the good stuff, but the their secondary brands that are like 20, 30 bucks or just yeah. Walmart brand. And you're like, you know, you're thinking about like a $10 knife versus a $100 knife. Like the hell do I need? I'm not a professional, but I would make an argument that you would be. But it requires the argument, which is right. why they sell that way. Yeah. So. But then that's also comes back to, okay, if you're thinking about, doing one of these programs that right there, you had the conviction in the product and therefore yes, that that's translates the key. into, yeah, you, your ability to actually succeed in this and it be a, a, a quality structure of an organization. It's yes. when you're, you know, you're trying to sell calling cards. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, that's the example, right? Like that is ridiculous. So now that's a good red flag for you. So if you're thinking about that, you know, have the conviction in the product first and foremost. Don't get dazzled by people enticing you with too good to be true offers of unlimited income and, you know, flexible get rich schedule. quick schemes. Yeah. Yeah. Like I didn't get rich and I was never sold the idea of getting rich. It was sold to me as a job. And yeah. I think that's an important thing to, to look for is that there's no such thing as a get rich quick thing. You know, mm-hmm. like you don't ever get rich quick. I mean, unless you're, you know, you you're lucky and you invested in Yahoo early because you knew the guy who invented or something, right? Like right. it happens, but very rarely. Yeah. Um, it's probably not going to happen. Probably to not going to happen to you. Yes. Yeah, so, it is. It's not going to be through something like this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's going to be like, Hey, I invented, you know, a, um, a time machine. <laughs> That's probably not real though. Um, right. so yeah, I, I just think like, be very careful, you know, do your research, there's there's a lot of information about Cutco, for instance, Mary Kay. I mean, I have a huge. You could just look up on Wikipedia a list of multi level. You know, Pampered Chef was one. Yeah. The Body Shop, Cutco's up here. Tupperware. And, yeah, Tupperware. Herbalife. I don't know if that's a thing anymore. Yeah, I, I've um, I, I didn't get into it, but I technically signed up for Herbalife. Um, yeah, WFG World Financial Group. I remember that. So there's a whole bunch of them, and they are they tend to be legit a lot of them, but still do your research. Yeah. Cause some are better than others. Yeah. 
My dad did Amway when he was young. Be convicted in the product, do your research, and don't approach this as though it's going to make you rich. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing. Cause like you're going to, when you're looking for a job, you'll see these all the time ads and they're, mm-hmm. they're going to be for stuff like this. Like, you know, getting, um, you know, getting you to come, to come into their presentation. I'll just come to my presentation, which is yeah. what I did. I, I admit that's totally part of what I did. I, I sold it better than that, but that's the idea. Right. Yeah. And you just have to be careful with that. All good advice as we always give on this show. Exactly. I love it. All right, guys. Well, that's uh, a wrap up of Ponzi schemes, pyramid schemes, and multi-level marketing. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Jake of All Trades. Be sure to check us out on social media by searching for at Jake's Two Cents. Check out the blog at jakestwocents.com and uh, take care. We'll see you next time.